Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I've been quarantined confused the past couple weeks. And I'm Kevin, aka Chops, and uh, I guess I've also been quarantined confused. I don't know what day is it, what month is it. <laughs> I finally understand like bands. Like I've asked that you know someone, and I've I've been at a show before, right? Talking to a guy at a band at a merch thing, and they've been like, "What week?" what day is it right now? What month? And I'm like, how do you not know what month it is? And now I totally get it. When you have Mm -hmm. this like routine where every day feels exactly the same, it's very easy to lose track. Even when you're working. Yep. Yep. Like I, I just know that I'm at work, you know, like that's it. It's like, I am physically working and that's about all it's got to differentiate. And then every other day is the same. And then there's, occasionally days where I don't work. Yeah, Those also, are apparently weekends. <laughs> also feeling very fortunate to be working, I guess. Yes. That's, that's another... Um, yes, I, I feel uh, very fortunate and also very worried about all my friends in industries where they're being furloughed or aren't able to work for whatever reason, right? It's really scary. Yeah, I mean, that's like for me, I I worry a little bit because, you know, like, yeah, I'm working now, but is there ever a chance that I won't be? So yeah. I think about that, and this is not the time you want to be looking for a job. No, man, because there's, you know, millions of people looking for jobs. It's real yep. scary. Yep. Anyway, whew, yeah. let's, let's move past that fucking scary shit. Yeah, uh, let's do that. <laughs> and hopefully record what's going to be an evergreen episode, so that'll be a weird intro. Um, <laughs> well, we go it'll, it'll go out. It it'll, it'll go out, you know, yeah. on, on Monday. So we'll have to date uh, it. We have to say this is, in fact, uh, April 13th, 2020, week five. Well, I think it's week six in Wisconsin of stay at home. Yeah, so, I don't I have. No, I think I think the calendar that my wife makes every week um, is like on week five or whatever, because I started tracking it on there and Aubrey has kept up with that. And we were um, a week ahead of you. Wisconsin yeah, you was could, a week ahead of North Carolina. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I mean, that we tracks. were we were we were self quarantining before then. Yeah, us um, too. We I, and I think even we started self quarantining a week before the actual official stay at home. So yeah. it's it's week six of what went since I've been doing this. Yeah. All I know is that I had to go out for medicine the other day, and I believe it was the first time I left my house. Uh, in about three weeks. Yeah, we, my uh, my wife is the she's the grocery shopper for our entire quarantine group. It's like she's the so basically she goes out so that four other people don't have to. Right. Um, and then they you know they leave the groceries wherever they are or you know wipe them down or do whatever they're gonna do right. But she's the one that goes out. And uh, there was a thing that I really was looking forward to that didn't get got. So the first time I went out of the house was like this last Sunday. And it was literally the first time I started my car in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, Uh, like you're starting it going, oh, please start. Please start. Yeah. And it reminded me that I should really start it every week. Yep. Yeah. It was was pretty bizarre. There were not a lot of people on the roads. I was happy to see that. Yeah. Uh, When I went to Target to get my medicine, there were a lot of people with masks on. Yeah, I was wearing so I would basically I was wearing a cloth mask, but also my uh, Madison Forward FC Mingos scarf wrapped nice. around too. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that's <laughs> I approve of the the going full Mingo during quarantine. Yep, I had my full Mingo <laughs> scarf on. Love so that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I I support that. Um, <laughs> gosh, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like small sports teams like that, will they survive this craziness? Yeah, dude, I have no idea. Wow. It's real. There's so many things. Like I read a thing today where they were concerned that we wouldn't be able to really start holding concerts the way that we hold concerts now until 2021. I saw that, and I was just thinking about that, and I have a few arguments about why that's wrong. If you only go and see massive concerts, I fully agree. But if you're, sure. but but smaller bands are going to be firing up midsummer, I would think. Well, well, we'll see, right? We'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to speak too soon, but I think you're probably right. But we'll see. Yeah, and and I think I think a lot of that has more to like more to do with limited venues, limited days. Um, and rescheduling a whole lot of shows. Yep. Like yep. I, I, I saw somebody online in one of the music groups that I'm in uh, was talking about that they had three concerts uh, canceled on them in the past couple of weeks, and they're all rescheduled for the same day in like the fall. Got and it. They can't get any refunds because all the shows are still happening. All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's hope that's true and that actually goes that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I'm I'm a lot less uh, worried about that one. Um, I think we'll see it along before fall of 2021. I think I think it'll be fall of 2021 before you start going to see the shows that were canceled now. All right. I, ho- of scheduling. I, ho- I hope that's right. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm convinced I'm 100 percent right. So <laughs> since we've been stuck in the house, chops, what have you been hobbying? Yeah. What have I been hobbying? So I have been. Uh, doing a couple things though i've done uh i've painted a lot of pigs uh for relic blade and you've been so, excited about your pigs oh man so excited about my pigs i'll have pictures for the instagram uh mostly because i went from uh using either 100 percent contrast using techniques with standard paints and contrasts you know basically incorporating contrast painting into everything i'd been doing for the last year almost to back to a 100% traditional painting for mm-hmm. all my relic blade minis it feels so good <laughs> yeah it i'm feels, sure it does it feels so good to just be doing traditional painting on those minis again um not that i don't like contrast painting and, and spoiler alert that's what this episode is about um but i uh it's been really nice to do 100% traditional um outside of that though i painted a bushido mini i assembled some wrath of kings minis for a kings of war army well that's a weird thing to say uh <laughs> and wrath of all- kings kings of war yeah it's that yeah. reverse letters and all that yeah, stuff oh, yeah man. yeah and then also uh finished my star breach uh lorani uh uh, synth wave Lorani model. So they're all super dark, super black, uh, right. very bright blue and very bright pink. Awesome. That's pretty fun. And that, and those were dark Eldar models, right? Standard Eldar. Standard Eldar. Okay, cool. Yep. I like that. I, uh, I've not been as prolific as you have been. I went on like a hobbying, I don't know, strike or something where I just, I just couldn't get into it. And I've talked to, to a friend of the show, Jim, and he's kind of in the same place. He's like, oh, I keep seeing all this cool stuff, but I just I just can't do it. Um, but the other I, I've been occasionally working on some of my Infinity Rodox. Uh, and I, I tried a, a paint scheme on them, decided I hate it, decided, oh, OK, you know, some of the stuff I did was kind of cool, but still decided that I did not like the colors. Um, so the other night, about two in the morning or whatever, I ended up getting the bug 
and uh, painted a Rodok up and uh, used completely different colors than I used the first time and absolutely love how he came out. Oh man, it's so bright. I love it. It's it's yellow and purple, and I really, really love that contrast. It looks really cool. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I don't think I ever would have intentionally been like, I'm going to make most of this model purple um, and, and just use spots of yellow, because that seems pretty bold to me, like, and, and I don't think I would have normally have done it if it hadn't been two in the morning and I was exhausted and not thinking straight, you know, um, which is why sometimes when you're really tired and oh, stuck being up, you know, going and painting is uh, interesting and, and can get you somewhere. Yeah, it's sweet. But it, and it, I'm glad that you did it because it and, and I'm hoping that it. uh inspires you to hobby some more and paint more Rodox that way because they're really cool oh man i'm i already already i'm gonna i'm gonna green simple green the two that i had already started on so this way i can go back and do them in this purple and yellow color um, very cool and i've already decided that like they're not all going to be fairly standard with where the yellow is because i think they could i think the one that i painted could go for a little more spots of yellow uh, either on the front of the body or, or on the legs, just to break it up just a little bit more. Mm. Um, so I don't think I'm going to consistently do it in the same spots on all of them, just to kind of give them all a little bit of an individual flavor. Um, you know, because it's an army, but they're individual models, so I don't think they have to be spot on, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've also finished up my uh, Umbra, in that same color pattern. And I wasn't sure at first if I was going to like them, but I didn't look at them for about three or four days and then looked at them again today and went, wow, he actually came out far better than I thought he did. Um, so I'm, I'm super happy about that. So really that's basically two infinity models that are, are done. I mean, that's cool though, man. That's you're, you're uh, like uh, a fifth of the way there, right? Like, right. Your list is, is getting there now. <clears throat> yep, exactly. It's it's moving. It's grooving. Um, I'm feeling good. And and here's the other thing, too. And I know this is getting a little long-winded for, for hobby hangouts. Uh, one of the things, one of my goals with the, with the Rodoc, and this was a, something that I saw as, a, as a something to improve upon when I was working on the Umbra, is that <clears throat> always my, my spots where two colors kind of butt up against each other has always been where I've been really sloppy with painting. Right. Um, I either go too conservatively and there's a gap and you can see primer in there, uh, especially, you know, if it's a if it's a detail piece and, and, you know, there's a negative space, you know, going in. I find that always stays primary and doesn't get paint on it uh, or I get real sloppy and, and one color will bleed into the other. So I, I reached out to uh, Craig and said, hey. Do you have any advice for getting better at this? And he gave me some advice, and sure enough, that fucker was spot on. <laughs> All right. So. I mean, that's it's Craig, right? I know. It's, uh, it's I had a similar experience when I was painting my Bushido mini. I uh, I put a lot of green on it, and uh-huh. uh, and I I told him I said I'm going to paint the under robes, and I think I'm going to go to the opposite side of the color wheel, but I don't know if I want to go true opposite or one color left or to the right. Uh, and I talked to him about the different options and we went through and decided on red together and 
uh, I'll, I'll say he was the one that was like, just do red. Uh, and he was totally right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's just it. I mean, he was spot on. Like, and, and one of the, one of the ad- pieces of advice he gave me was always paint down. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Always paint yeah. down. Yeah, and that's not something sure. that I, that I always do. I, I tend to just kind of brush whichever way I feel I needed to go. Nope. Always, um, always, always thin your paints, always paint down. Those yeah. are like the two, those are the two most important things that you can. And when we do an evergreen hobby supplies and tips and tricks episode, those will be my top two rules. will be always thin your paints, always paint down. Well, I'll, I'll uh, tell you what, there was a super secondary thing that I discovered painting down does is that it, since you're moving the model and not the direction that you're painting, you're making sure you are getting all of those weird spots exactly yep exactly so the basically like my right hand almost never moves when i paint it's very small movements right because you have to be really careful or else you get paint where you don't want it everything is my my right hand is my paintbrush hand right and my left hand which is the hand that manipulates the model moves near constantly while i'm painting yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely the way to go. And when you watch a lot of really skilled painters, that's the way they paint. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he was 100% right. I was almost like, ah, Craig, why do you always have to be right? And then I'm like, well, yeah. that's not a bad thing that he's always yeah. right. The, the only time <laughs> that that's less true is when you're doing your initial base coats and you have room to be really sloppy and you can just make big, wide brush strokes. Yep. Um, but once you're done with that stage, man, it's that small manipulation, always paint down. Yep. I was, I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. And then, (laughs) you know, 20 minutes into it, as I'm realizing how good it is and I'm, I'm kind of catching myself not painting down. That was when I realized how much I would paint left, right. Um, which was, which was always, or yeah, I guess I would, uh, I painted a lot right to left is a lot of how. Yeah. Down, especially when you're doing edge highlighting, turning the model, so that you can put your brush flat against the thing and move down against the it just all the things that it unlocks when you start doing that is it's huge. Yep. Huge huge yep. huge. It was a, it was a huge unlock moment for me in painting. I felt like I I really progressed and and so much of it was from Craig's advice. So um yeah, Good. he's 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 a, he's the man and what it, what I really like is he's he's willing to you know give advice. You know what I mean? It's not like he's oh, for like sure. keeping keeping any of those special skills that he has to himself. You know what I mean? It's like imagine him at a like a painting like being like ha ha ha. They'll never know yep. I do it this way. You know what I mean? It's like not like that. It's just like hey, what do you think of this idea? And he'll be like, ah, eh, try this color or you know, it's great. It's great. He's awesome. So, yeah, for sure. I was nodding a lot as you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the one other little bit of housekeeping before we talk about the main topic. Yes. Uh, and we'll, we'll probably need to timestamp this episode for when the actual contrast thing starts too, so people can skip to it if they want to. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but um, so the other thing I want to talk about was that there was the, since we're in the middle of the, the COVID times, uh, there was an all online convention. You mean the paint- dark times before the, the empire? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not go there yet. Uh <laughs> But Paint All the Minis, which is a really cool uh, YouTube channel as far as, I mean, basically that's what I've used it for is like looking at the YouTube content and the and the podcast content. Right. Um, did an online convention, the Paint All the Minis online con. Uh, they had a lot of really cool um, 
companies from the UK come in and do like question and answer sessions and reveals and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and as well as terrain makers and, and, you know, so there were demos of the drowned earth and uh -huh. uh, via tabletop simulator, as well as moonstone and other games. And the reason I bring this up is because we had an explosion of purchases on our discord, uh, yeah, we a, did. <laughs> an absolute ton of people bought into relic blade and moonstone. And Relic Blade happened at the lead up to, to Paint All the Minis Con and a little bit over the weekend. But man, this weekend, I think I counted six people, maybe seven, bought in hard to Moonstone. And more people than that bought a couple models of the rule book. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Like that's that's been fun chat to watch yep. to see what what people are, are doing and saying and, and getting into it. And I also like the fact that the people were like, ha. We're getting chops into a game. Yeah, that's pretty funny that they did they did that. <laughs> um, but it didn't take much. If you have never heard of Moonstone, just go look at the models. Like anybody who enjoys the hobby aspect of this hobby, uh, when you look at those models, you're going to be like, "Welp." <laughs> yep. I, I guess I didn't need that money. Uh, they're so good. The models are so good. And plus, I bought a model called Doug the Flatulent. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> so good. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it, Moonstone looks awesome. Very whimsical, very fun. Um, yep. anyway, that's that. And we'll, we'll probably do an episode of Moonstone and an episode on Relic Blade, especially an episode on Relic Blade since I'm, uh, I've, I've almost finished painting my entire first crew and just ordered a second today. Oh my gosh. Uh, I know. I know. I, uh, I definitely bought in hard anyway. Uh, and we'll probably do actually upcoming episodes i think we'll focus on games that play on two by two tables a lot so expect relic blade expect bushido um yeah and any other things that i can play on a two by two i heard Sk the skyrim game has a two by two mode uh as well as an eden revisited since it's been sort of collapsed and dead yeah because um, we st we're still a lot of interest to play it in madison so we'll probably do an eden revisited episode too yeah, and I gotta I gotta get in and I gotta look at it and, and see what, what's changed since it's kind of had some life breathed back into it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but let's get to our main topic. After yeah, which we which of, we which we danced around, right? We did. So we're gonna be talking about contrast paints. Um we're basically the, the impetus for this episode is that we've we've got had a lot of requests uh in the general channels as well as the patron channels for some episodes around hobby tips in terms of things that, that you should buy uh, and sort of episodes that can serve as w things that we can point people to. So we'll definitely timestamp this section of this episode and put that in the description so that you can skip to the contrast uh, part of it. And that, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to revisiting contrast, especially from my perspective as a person who's been painting almost exclusively with it for almost a year at this point. Yeah, you know, which is pretty crazy. I think because I think it was either May or June of last year. I, I should have looked at exactly the date that I got my paints. Um, but I've been I've painted over I over 150 models now Good with God, contrast Kevin. paints. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> uh, so oh, I mean, I'm, I'm no Ash Barker, uh, but I've definitely put in some work uh, with this paint. Um. Jeez. And, and, and that's in everywhere from doing 100% contrast, using uh, using traditional methods and base coats, doing contrast over metallics, 
doing contrast over experimented, uh, experimenting primes. And we'll talk about all those things, but I, I've got this laid down in a way that we can talk about it in an organized manner so that you can come in, you can listen to this episode and get some, I think, well, I hope solid advice about buying and using contrast paints. Well, great. Now, now you're making it. So I really do have to go in and put some timestamps in. <laughs> at least one when we start talking about contrast in general right? no but like, i'm thinking of, oh yeah any, anyway i'm thinking it might be good to for people to come back and reference it um yep. yeah all right so there might be multiple timestamps. there might be one uh we'll all <laughs> be surprised when when that goes up because you know the last episode we've recorded i totally didn't think that i edited it and posted it and found out that i didn't so all right Fair <laughs> so enough. That, that came out kind of late um but it's out there enjoy it <laughs> all right well the, i'll just blame blame covid that's what that's why i'm quarantined, and confused man all right <laughs> So get, getting right onto it, the first thing I want to talk about is my major takeaways from contrast paints. Yeah. Um, I have four of them. Okay. My, for, uh, actually three, sorry, three main takeaways. <laughs> One is that it's a useful tool and that contrast paint goes a long way for the money you spend on it. And th these are the, the, the things I want to talk about this is that I don't think that contrasts are an end-all be-all paint method. I painted a lot of minis. I think they're really good. I think they're way better than popular opinion. And maybe popular opinion is starting to soften on them, actually, as people have, they've been in the wild for a while. I'm seeing more general acceptance and more people being like, whoa, you can do good work with these paints. Right. Uh, also, I see the common, the common refrain is, holy shit, these paints are expensive. Right. And let's talk about that for a second. Uh, they aren't cheap. Right no. at at seven dollars ninety per pot, they're not cheap. However, uh, I have so Volupus Pink. I have painted seventy five Boltons and spilled the pot, <laughs> and I still have over sixty percent of it. Yeah, well, let, let, let's 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 address that because the easiest way to blow through these paints is to spill them. Okay. <laughs> well, they are I've... in a awkward sized bottle where they're <laughs> just tall enough that as you move your hand around the table, it will catch on them. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've only spilled Volupus Pink. It's the only one that I've spilled, uh, and I was able to get uh, quite a bit of it up with an eyedropper. <laughs> 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 Uh, but, but like I said, I still have over 60% of it after, after painting over 70 Bolton models that all have two layers of Volupus pink on them. Oh my gosh. I just have this hard, like this image of you going, I got to save it. I got to save it. I got to save oh, it. I definitely was. I was like folding my paint mat so that I could make the pools raised and like sucking it up with an eyedropper and putting it back in the bottle. Oh man. See, I spilt, um, I think it was snake bite leather. Yeah, and uh, I didn't have an eyedropper handy, so it's just gone. Oh no! But but I will say, <laughs> when you spill it, it will stain. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's it is that that it is vibrant. <laughs> yes, it will <laughs> stain, color. and it will stain quickly. Right. Yep. So oh, yeah. like, it, if it's on something that you don't want stained with that color, too uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Too bad. It's like eating a pomegranate. <laughs> there's, not, there's no way yeah, to there's do that. Not, 
there, there's not even get it up fast. If it touches the surface, it's fucked. Yes, uh, exactly. So that's why if, if you ever see when I paint, when I post pictures of my minis uh, on the contact paper, that's on my desk. If you ever see this big brown stain on there, it's from the contrast paints from, from snakebite leather when I spilt it. All right. Well, there it is. And that, <laughs> but it does. Okay. But it does go back, going back to my point, it's a very useful tool and it goes a long way for the money. So yes. it's not a be all end all. You're not like going to win golden demons with it, but if you need to get a lot of minis painted fast and you need them to look pretty good, contrast is the best way to go uh, for, for sure. I think. Uh, and also it lasts a really long time. Like the pots will last, like, even though they're expensive, those pots are going to last you a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's true because you don't need a whole lot of, of the paint to do no, what you need it to do. Almost nothing. Like yep. I usually dip my brush and then roll paint off of it. If I'm going from the pot and if I'm not going from the pot, it's two brush loads of the paint and two brush loads of medium for when I, when I am thinning. And we'll talk about medium more later. Um, but yeah, you barely need the paint. Like it goes a really long way. Yep. Yep. And and yeah, it, yeah, you don't need a whole lot of it. So when you spend that money on it, it will last you quite and a so, long time. And here's the other thing to think about. When you buy one pot of contrast paint, it's like buying three paints of a standard line yes. because contrast darkens has a mid tone and lightens depending on the surface of the model yep. in the recesses. It's very dark on the flatter areas. It's the mid tone. And at the very high end of it, it's it, it will uh, show through the base coat. Yep. So you are essentially getting the work of three paints done with one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, that's what makes it so great yep. is that you're able to get all of that out of that one one set of and that one I, paint. I just I just and want to make those points because there are uh people who have unfair criticism of the paints and the prices and they, they make these knee-jerk reactions. Uh and as a person what? Oh, the is... internet make knee-jerk reactions. <laughs> I know, I know. Say I it isn't want... so. <laughs> I just want to I want to bring some level headedness to the discussion <laughs> around this product line. <laughs> Um, and also I don't, I, I, I'm going to make some critiques too. I don't want to be the guy that I, I don't, cause someone will say, well, this guy's just spent over a hundred dollars on contrast paints. Of course he's going to defend them. Like, look, they're, they're not perfect. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about it, but yep. th okay. Another lesson learned. Um, if you can avoid it, don't use the Citadel primer. This is where you're going to get gouged. The, oh, yeah. the rattle cans of the primer are $20 American. Uh, too much. It's so expensive. Like a standard can of, of spray paint. Like I know what spray paint costs when I go and buy spray paint for my terrain. It's three fifty <laughs> for a can. Yeah. Uh, for really high quality paint. Uh, so paying twenty dollars, like it hurts. It actually, like, I get physically angry at Games Workshop <laughs> when I buy a can of their primer, and I have to now because my Boltons were painted with their spray oh, no. primer. And if you use a different primer, you it looks tell. wrong. Yeah, that yep. is that so is really the I, downside. Yeah, it's a right. downside. So I have to use gray sear when I'm painting Boltons. So I have to have a can of it oh, so that man. when I expand my Bolton army. All right, so don't use it if you can avoid it, G God Almighty. Or if you're going to, buy a pot of the base coat, Gray Sear or Wraithbone, and then buy a Badger paint mixer, some ball bearings, 
uh, and a dropper bottle and decant the paint and put it through your airbrush. Right. Um, because it will go a lot longer for a lot less money. Like that $3.50 pot will paint more minis than three rattle cans for a primer if you do that. So one of those two methods, put your middle fingers up at Games Workshop and do not buy into those rattle cans if you can avoid it. Yeah, so while we're while we're talking about primer, let's talk about the Vallejo stuff. Well, we're, we'll get there. We're going to get there. I'm actually I have a whole section. We're going to talk about priming. Okay. So, I wasn't sure if we're getting down there or not. Yep. Yep. So I want to talk about my third point on my major takeaways. And that is that these are not good paints for, for large, for very large models or flat surfaces. Right. So very large models tend to have exaggerated smooth areas. So like think of a, a model of a giant with a bicep, right? That giant's bicep is a large, smooth area. These paints, unless until you have painted a lot, like I can make them look good because after a while you learn what these paints can do and you can do things like put a little of the medium on the surface before you load your brush with paint and then load your brush with paint and then drag across smoothly and move the excess off. And when you do techniques like that, you can get pretty good effects on on large flatter surfaces without getting staining and coffee like coffee pools but most of the time if you're just going at these models it's going to look hideous right um so large models and large panels like tanks forget it like oh yeah there's no way just don't do it yeah it's a major weakness of the paint line it's not going to work very well so so one if if you have to like if you have a smaller model Mm -hmm. that has a large flat space one of the things that i found kind of works or at least gets by that is that you can dab the paint on also paint down (laughs) yeah also paint down but if we talked about it earlier if you if you just dab at it instead of actually brushing it you you will get a solid color on that spot yeah that's true but again paint down and a razor thin layer of medium I don't mean a lot of medium. I mean a razor thin layer of medium over the flat surface. Mm-hmm. Then load your brush, then paint on and pull the paint off pools because the medium will make the paint last longer before it starts to set on the surface. And you, it may take multiple coats to get to the shade that you want, but you'll avoid the pooling. Right. Um, but again, that's one of the weaknesses of the paint line is you have to know these other techniques to get onto large. But if you're painting like lizards, or folded fabric or like armor paneling, like not, not like, uh, I mean like infinity armor panels, right? Where there's ridges and stuff. Right. This, this shit is your tool, man. It is right what you need. Well, and, uh, the, which one was it that I was thinking of here? Um, oh, I was painting for God tier, um, Mm -hmm. the lizard dude. And, and I was using the, the turquoise. It is fantastic. Oh yeah, if you need the way any, it gets in all of the the, if the you scales. Need any and, evidence that this paint is the way? Go go and join a Facebook group for Seraphon painting. Oh yeah, um, and you'll see it's so good. Uh, yep. And also, oh, we'll put a picture up on my on the on our on our uh, Instagram and our Twitter of a Bushido mini that I painted, and you can see a snake that I painted with a single layer of Nasdreg yellow. And it's crazy how cool it looks. Just one single layer of paint. 
Yep, and I will I'll, up there with that. I will put my uh, Wrath Bow. Wraith Marid. Yeah, Wraith yeah. Marid. There you go, Wraith Marid. I'll yeah. put him up there because he's coming out fantastic. Um, but that's exactly it. It's just the way that it it shades the the recesses where the scales are, mm-hmm. and also manages to to highlight all in you know one brush stroke. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's insane. All right. So now let's move on to the main sections. The first section is priming. Yeah. So we're going to talk about priming, what to use, and when to use it. We talked about the con- the contrast official primers and base paints already. My advice is stay away from the rattle cans if you can afford it. Uh, if you have a uh, airbrush, that's the way to avoid it. Unfortunately, that's really the only way because you know you have to prime the, the models and you yep. need a light, an off white, either an off white yellow or an off white gray. Um, those are your two best warm and cool base coats. Um, brush on primers might work. I haven't tested with a lot of them, but, um, rat, the problem with rattle can primers, so army painter might make a good one. If you can get a light gray army painter spray paint and the matching color, cause those army painter paint match paints could work. I haven't tested them, but my advice would be if you like the army painter lane line experiment, go find a light gray. Um, something lighter than lighter than dungeon gray, dungeon gray would be too dark, but something light, well, maybe not either way. I think if there is dungeon gray, that might be a good one to start with, but if there's lighter, get the lighter color. I I know. I I'll tell you right now, uniform gray won't work. It's too dark, too dark. And dungeon gray is, is lighter than uniform gray, but, um, anyway, the army painter line, I'm sure there is a matching spray primer and it's, and you're cheaper there, right? $9 a can instead of 20. That's pretty good. But my advice is an airbrush. If you have an airbrush, this is the way to go. And we'll talk about the different things to do. The first method is decanting. So if you're not familiar with what that means, it's you buy your standard, what is it, 12 mil, 16 mil pot of Citadel paint uh-huh. and a paint mixer and some airbrush medium. And you pour airbrush medium into the pot and you get a paint mixer. The paint Badger paint mixer is like... 16 bucks on Amazon. It's just like a little rotary tool that you stick into the paint and it mixes the paint and you'll squirt some medium in and mix it, squirt some medium and mix it until it's about the consistency of skim milk. And then you use a uh, funnel and you put it into a dropper bottle. In general, you're going to gain three to four milliliters because that's about how much of the medium you're going to be putting in to get it to the right consistency. Uh Uh, And the paint will go a long way through the, uh, through the, the airbrush. Right. Um, So that's method one. I would stay for priming models. The second are the Vallejo and Badger lines. So my personal preferred paint at this point is the Vallejo gray surface primer. Right. Um, it is almost exactly the color of gray seer. Like it is very close. Yeah. It's it, it, you would have a hard time under natural light sitting the, a stroke of each paint next to each other. It's very hard to tell the difference from three feet away. I've tried, I tried it today. (laughs) It's very hard to tell the difference between the two. And if you mix them around, it's hard to tell. It's like, even though you can tell they're a little different, it's hard to know which one is the, the Vallejo and which one is the Citadel. So that that's my recommendation. The other reason I love it is that it's like 16 bucks for a 200 milliliter bottle. 
And I just mentioned how far a, a, a 16 millimeter milliliter pot will take you on Citadel paint. So a 200 milliliter pre-mixed for airbrush uh, Vallejo, get out of here. Yep. Uh, and, and that's the same with Stylin Res. The Badger gray primer, great. Just fine. Um, I, I just am a, a Vallejo kind of guy. Uh, the paint lines that I use are, I use Privateer, Citadel, and Vallejo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, because I trust those paints, I, you know, am just more likely to use the Vallejo gray. Uh, but the style and res gray is great as well. And also perfect consistency for airbrushing because that's what Badger makes, right? Is airbrush products. Right. I would, however, 100% recommend uh, the Vallejo or the the Badger paint mixer to everybody who has an airbrush, though. Yeah, I think we're going to have to get that. And some dropper bottles and some stainless steel, either glass beads or stainless steel uh, um, BBs for agitators. Because that's the, if you're going to be doing airbrush painting, man, you, and even if you're not doing airbrush painting, you want to thin your paints anyway. Uh, and airbrush medium is better than water for, for uh, diluting your paint anyway, because it doesn't actually change the color consistency it keeps the color fastness as well as it can mm-hmm. uh and dropper bottles are far superior to citadel pots anyway yes so yes. uh yeah just do that just do it um but back to, to contrast stuff we talked about the three primers so that's it for me um i don't know if you have anything to add there if you've tried anything else no i i haven't but i want to try and i know i know we've talked about it but i just just for my own curiosity I want to try using the brush on Vallejo uh, mm-hmm. in brush on mode and just see how that goes with, with contrast. Yeah, I think I'll try that too and update. We'll do an update for this and we'll mention it in an epi- in a later episode because I'm, I'm going to try the brush on. We had a question specifically asked about that in the Discord too, so I'm going to try it. In fact, um, I might so just the, try it right now. I the, have next, some guys the next pr- brush brush primed and so uh i'll tell you by the end of the episode all right do it (laughs) contrast medium we're doing it live contrast medium anyway uh is it worth it uh in a word yes if you're going to buy into the paint line you should buy the medium uh i don't think i i can say anything other than that you you need it uh for a couple reasons there are some of the paints that really need to be thinned um Volupus Pink is an example, um, and Gorgrunta for is another example. Uh, you can get different effects with Black Templar depending on how much medium that you use. Um, I don't think every one of them needs to have the medium out of the pot, but some of them certainly do, and some of them actually I actively it, it would encourage against it. Um, some of the the purple shades, I think the medium really doesn't do well with them. Uh, specifically Magos purple. Uh, but anyway, the, the contrast medium is required. I think you need it. Uh, I think in general, I use half as much medium as I do contrast or 50-50, depending on the paint. Uh, and it really depends on the effect. You're, there's no hard and fast rule. In general, I would say start with 50-50 medium to contrast and see what you see how you go. Uh, and, and mostly because the, the medium um, will 
improve your dry times. You'll have more workable time with the paint, which is very important because the second this stuff starts to settle, you start to get those coffee stain marks and you can't manipulate the paint. Right. Uh, and the medium extends that time a little bit for you. Uh, also, it makes the paint go farther. Uh, which this, is always that, good. That's it, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's why to buy the medium. And also, you really shouldn't dilute the paint with water. It's not a water-based paint to begin with. So diluting it with water does weird things to it. That's always a danger. Yeah. Do you use the medium, Paul? I've, I've never – no, I've never used the medium. Um, I've only, I've only, when I've used contrast paints, I've, I've used them straight out of the pot. So that's a, that's a new one for me. So take that, you know, as a, as a grain of salt or for, I guess, right. Because I'm yeah. saying you do need it and you saying you've had good results without it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, I painted that entire free folk army and, and used all the paint straight out of the pot. Yeah. I, I think I've had. I've had consistency, consistently better results when I am using the medium where it's needed. Um, with the colors that it's, it works for, um, like the greens, I think are also are another one, uh, especially the darker greens turn out way better if you use the medium than if not, uh, because they're very dark and they dry fast. So you get these really dark, dark stain spots if you're not careful, especially dark angels green. Um, huh. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've. I've noticed. Maybe I've just. Maybe because I haven't used them, I haven't seen that as a necessarily a bad thing, and just learned sure. to physically work around it. Yeah, and and maybe it. You know, it's not a hundred percent necessary. I'd, I'd say if you are looking, uh, it, it, if you want to have the, if you want the paints to be more forgiving, I think the medium is the way to go. I think that'll be the final word. I think I. I can't say definitively if you need. If you want them to be more forgiving of a slower brush, uh, it's it's definitely worth your money to pick the medium up. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes that makes 100 percent good sense as far as I'm concerned. Cool. All right. So I want to talk now uh, one uh, about the uh, 10 first paints I would suggest if you were going to buy into this line. Uh, why up 10? Uh, it's a round number. It's 70 dollars. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. <laughs> Uh, one thing I'll say is Bell of, Bell of Lost Souls, uh, has, uh, if you search like Larry Villa, uh, contrast paints, you'll get a series of swatches that a LGS owner, uh, did on the same base. They, they have a standard base. They got that base and they painted every one of the models with three different base coats with Corax white, with Wraith bone and with gray sear. And then they painted each of the contrast paints onto the base. Yep. Uh, and you can see all of them. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is we're going to talk about the 10, right? The 10 that I would recommend picking up first. And if you want to look at them, that's the best resource and the best way that I can help you find that resource. Yeah, and and um, the important thing about that too is that it it also shows you how much of an impact the primer has on the on final the color. And and the uh, and what I think is funny is how it has an impact on some colors and not as much on others. Right. Yeah, and it's the lighter colors that tend to be more affected by it because they're more of the primer showing. Exactly. At least that's been my experience with it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But like Black Templar makes almost no effect. Leviathan Purple almost no effect. Ultramarine Blue almost no effect. Like there's lots where it makes no difference at all. And some other ones like Ayand in Yellow where it makes a huge difference. Right. Yep. Yep. 100%. Um, or 
Aethermatic blue, right? That's another one where it's almost a different color depending on what primer is underneath it. Yep. Um, so uh, let's talk about the top 10 paints I'd recommend. Uh, and so what I'm going to say is I'm going to talk about these 10 paints and then I'm going to mention a series of wild cards. And so the 10 paints that I've, I've, I've mentioned, I think five of them are must-haves. Uh, and then the other five are a couple of my favorites and one paint from each of the primary colors. Because everybody, I, you want your primary colors um, just because. You, you want a red, you want a blue, um, and you want a yellow. Um, and, and then there are, some again, some others that are for sure buys. So let's just you know stop dancing around it, start talking about them. Uh, number one, either Dark Oath or Gilliman Flesh. Uh, look at those both online and decide which one you like better and buy one. Uh, I personally prefer Dark Oath at this point to Gilliman Flesh, um, but Gilliman Flesh is a paint that you will see people gush over online, and I think Dark Oath is equally uh, equally good, but slightly darker. Yes, it is It is a little bit darker. Um, the challenge with Gilliman Flesh is that uh, the, pr- the primer does show through a lot. It affects it a lot. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it also makes for interesting priming or painting because you can use whichever color, whichever primer you've used to try and, um, you know, have that show through and affect your final, your final color, right? Like you can do some really pale Northern guys, um, if you are using Gracier, Gracier. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so yeah, one of those two paints, pick one, pick the one you like better, but buy one of those two. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then we get on to my first absolute must have. I don't care if you're not buying contrast paints as a set, you should buy black Templar. If you paint miniatures, you should buy black Templar. Um, it is it, it like and, and you'll use it the same way that you would use an effect paint. So if you have anything that you use like a glaze, uh, like an out of the pot glaze, or if you use something like uh, the Typhus Corrosion or Blood for the Blood God, you can think of Black Templar as one of those types of paints and you should just buy it. Um, outside of that is an, it is an incredibly deep black Um but if you want an example, just go find some examples where people have done a single coat of Black Templar over a gun and then done a very light silver dry brush over it. They are incredible. Yep. Um, it, it is a one-stop shop for guns. Uh, and also, I think it's an, an incredibly effective black paint. It is a fantastic black paint because it also somehow manages to highlight gray. Yeah. Which it's, is phenomenal. It's incredible. Um, I think if I had to pick a single best in the line, it's Black Templar. Um, And it's a paint that everyone should have. So uh, moving on to my next recommendation, I'm going to name these all all three of them. uh, And it's my three favorite browns. But let me tell you something. Every contrast brown is worth having. And let me explain why. Uh, a lot of models have a lot of leather. If I, I don't, maybe it's just the models I paint, but I very I, there's tons of leather, and very often I want those brown tones separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I feel like I can never have enough shades of brown. And this is with my standard paints too, man. I I have so many brown paints. Like I think if if you had to look at any color, I have two times more browns than any other color. Um. 
And it's no exception with contrast. And my three favorite are Gore Grunt of Fur, Snakebite Leather, and Skeleton Horde. Although I love all three of those paints. <laughs> they are so good. So that is a light, medium, and dark. That's why I picked those three. Gore Grunt of Fur is a dark, deep, rich brown. Snakebite Leather somehow is exactly Snakebite Leather from when I was in high school. Um, <laughs> the, 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 I would say the, the medium tone, the tone that isn't quite in the recesses and isn't quite on the edges is almost the exact same color as old school Snakebite Leather. Um, think it's your, it's your XV88. It's the yep. XV88 of contrast paints. Um, so a very good paint. Uh, and Skeleton Horde uh, is, is just like it sounds. Man, if you spray something with Wraith Bone and put Skeleton Horde over it, you're done. You're getting a nice bone color. <laughs> you're done. It's a skeleton. Finished. Um, it's quite good. Uh, it's a much different color from Ag- Agrax Earthshade. And it looks much more bone-like, I would say, than if you took a model and you and you primed it with... Um, whatever the bone color is. I can't think of the name of it. The Citadel standard bone color and then put Ustabi, Ustabi. Ustabi bone. Yep. And put Agrax Earthshade over it. And then you took a Wraith bone and skeleton horde. You would be much happier with the contrast. Yep. Uh, it gives you a much more natural, cool looking aged bone. Uh, and skeleton horde also is a great light leather. Um, I've used it as a light leather. I also, very often, if I want to make a weird skin tone, I mix Skeleton Horde into the color. So if I want a purplish skin tone, I mix Skeleton Horde into a purple. If I want a gross, diseased skin tone, I take like Plague Bearer Flesh and mix Skeleton Horde into it. Uh, and that makes a cool, g- gross green skin tone. It's just, it has a lot of application. It's a really good paint. Uh, actually, if I had a second buy this paint for an effect paint outside of that black templar it's the skeleton horde so skeleton horde um is also good for hair yes oh yeah oh yeah it's a great brown hair color for sure i used it on a ton of my boltons as the hair color just a single a single layer of skeleton horde super good yep um i think that is that's probably the the way i use that one the most is on dirty blonde hair yep yes absolutely uh, can confirm <laughs> also have done. Yep. So, so far again, one of the two lighter skin tones, black Templar, Gore grunts of fur, snake bite leather, skeleton horde. That's not to say there aren't other good ones. Um, there are plenty of agaros dunes is great, slightly lighter even than skeleton horde. Um, and, and worth getting wild wood is very dark, but in certain applications, excellent uh yep. like dark brown staves are really good in 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 wildwood um but again if i had to say you know we're, we're, we're trying to stay on a budget only three browns absolutely no doubt in my mind gore grunta snort snake bite skeleton horde yep all right. I agree. so to our primary colors uh blue talisar blue this paint is incredible uh Blue is one of the colors in the contrast line that I don't have every one of them. I have a lot of them. I don't have all of them. But what I can say is of the blues that I've used, uh, Talisar is far and away my favorite. Um, we'll Another thing we'll put up, uh, and you can go back and look at it now in our feed, is my Captain America. Uh, enti- almost entirely painted in Talisar blue. Uh, also, my Spider-Man, the blues are entirely Talisar. 
Um, it is a very good blue. Uh, for all sorts of applications, just it, between all of them, I think ultramarine is too dark. Uh, I think that the Achillean green, which is blue, don't let uh, them, them fool you. It's a turquoisey blue. It's very blue, more than tur- more than green, more than turquoise. Um, is too is just too weird colored. Um, and athermatic blue, which we'll talk about later, is an effect paint. It's it's not a it's not a color you should be using for standard painting. Um, it's more for like painting ghosts and stuff. But Talisar blue is incredible. Uh, do you have that one, Paul? Do you know? I'm actually using it right now. It's my test paint. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Talisar blue is great. That's the blue you should buy. All right, uh, reds. Uh, I'm going to recommend Blood Angels Red. I think that there is a lot of uh, debate online. I've seen people between Flesh Terror and Blood Angels. I think Flesh Terror is too red. Uh, if yeah. you look at it, it's one of the ones that uh, it, the base coat almost doesn't affect it. Uh, it is just too dark. Um, I, and we'll talk about why I don't like the super dark ones later. Um, but the it, Blood Angels is just the way to go. It's a fantastic color. It's a very, it's a beautiful red. Uh, and and we'll talk about other things later about why I like it. But trust me, Blood Angels red is your red. Now, I think the my most controversial pick for these 10 is going to be this next one. And that's Nasdreg Yellow. Um, a lot of people are way up a Yandin Yellow's ass, and I, quite frankly, don't get it. Be- <laughs> I I don't. I I really don't understand it. Um, it is not that good of a color, and honestly, it dries orange. Yep. In That's the why I don't recesses, like um, I just it I I don't know. I am not a big fan. Um, and the, uh, and here's the other reason you, you want, if you want a Yandin yellow, you probably already own it. It's Cassandra yellow, the shade that's already in your, in your Citadel collection. Yep. Uh, Cassandra yellow is a much better color. Like you can put Cassandra yellow over a gray primer and it looks just like Yandin yellow yeah. without, without the orange in the recess. It's just use that instead. That orange is so frustrating. Yeah. So Cassandra Yellow is, is your better Eandin. Now let's talk about Nasdreg Yellow, because Nasdreg Yellow is amazing. Um, I'll give you a perfect example and another model that we'll try to put up on the Instagram, and that is uh, my Warcry model, um, the lion that comes in the Untamed Beasts, uh, or the lion ram thing. Uh, I painted its skin entirely in Nasdreg Yellow, and it is gorgeous uh it looks like lion fur um it, it is very good so it's a deep yellow uh, nasdreg yellow also happens to be very good as a hair color um it's another good dirty blonde color and in general when i've gone for yellows and i've wanted a darker yellow it has never disappointed me um it is more on the brown side than I think some people would like in their yellow. And I think that's why I'd say it's a controversial pick. However, I think it's one of the best colors in the line. And I think you should get it. If you're going for a yellow, Nasdreg is very, very good. 
Yeah, I yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you just on the fact that I don't like the iodin one. Yeah, much. again, Ayandin yellow is Cassandra yellow. It's the same. It's, somehow it's the same color. Uh, and Cassandra yellow doesn't have the same super orange drying in the recesses problem that Ayandin yellow has. Well, that's good because that's the most frustrating thing about it. Yeah, Nazra yellow is more brown in the recesses than orange. And that's more what you want in a yellow paint, honestly. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, if you're, if you're painting, you're going to do the recesses in, in a, a brown. A brown or a purple. The, yeah. Like people don't realize that the shade of yellow is really a glazed purple or brown. Uh, and if you don't believe me, ask a pro painter. <laughs> That's the truth. Yep. Um, very light browns very or very thin browns and purples are the way that you shade truly shade yellow. Um so anyway, that's uh that's that. That's what I'm going to say. Nasdreg is your way. Uh, my final two picks are, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the first one, orc flesh. Um, I like, so I like most of the greens in the line. I actually, it's one of the few non-browns that I own all of them. So I have plague bearer, militarum, warp lightning, orc flesh, creed camo, and dark angels green. The only one I actively dislike is dark angels green. Um, and orc flesh is by far my favorite. Uh, it is a bright, vibrant green. Um, I've almost never been displeased with the way that it looks when I need to put it on something. And if I had to make a second pick, it would be Militarum green, but Militarum green is a little browner. Um, so if you were looking for a pure green, especially if you're painting green skins, uh, orc flesh is as titled good for orc flesh. <laughs> have you used that one at all, Paul? Or no? no, I don't have orc flesh. I have the Militarum and uh, warp lighting. I, so I like both those paints, and we'll talk. I'll actually talk about both of them in my wild card section, which uh, is again hilarious because as we're talking, I switched from blue to uh, warp lightning. Yeah, warp lightning is a great paint. We'll talk about it, but but also warp lightning is super bright. Like it is yes. like like radioactive green. It's yep. very it's very very bright. It's your magic effect uh, green, and, essentially. Yes. Exactly. And that's why I'm not recommending it as your first 10, because it's an effect paint where Black Templar, as I said, can be an effect paint for standard painters. For people who are looking at the contrast line, it is an essential black tool. You, you need it. Yep. OK. Uh, moving on to my last pick is Volupus Pink. Um, Volupus Pink or per Volupus Pink, Volupus Purple, whatever it is, is Amazing. Uh, for lots of reasons, uh, outside of the fact that I paint a ton of models with it. Like when I did my Synthwave Eldar, all the pinks on them are Volupus pink. My Boltons are all Volupus pink. Anytime I've painted the inside of a mouth in the last year, there has been Volupus pink on the inside of that thing. Right. Uh, and that is the reason I'm recommending it because tons of models as we paint now have their mouths open, their people yelling, you, you just ha very often have to paint the inside of a mouth. Uh, and because of that, I highly recommend this paint. Uh, also, I think more people should paint with pink. Uh, and you should find reasons to use this paint. If you look at a color wheel, uh, where, where pink and purple uh, deserve to be in terms of contrasting colors is much more common than people use them. Uh, so Volupus Pink is my 10th pick. 
Yeah, I, I like a lot of your, your picks, sir, uh, and I share your opinion on most of them. And the ones that I don't share your opinion on, it's because I probably don't own them. Got it. You know what I well, mean? Well, there so. it is. Those are my top ten. Now, I want to talk about wild cards. So my rule for these wild cards is any of those ten picks, if you didn't agree, I think you could sub one of these in. Yeah. Um. And there, there are six of them. I have five written down, so I'm going to talk about the one that I forgot to write down, and that's Basiliconum Gray. Okay. Uh, Basiliconum Gray is a great color. Uh, in a single shade, it's a very interesting gray color, but in a two-pass method. When what I, and we'll talk about it in my advanced techniques is multi-layering of contrast paints. If you use two shades of Basiliconum Gray, it is probably the best poor man's non-metallic metal <laughs> like yeah. the laziest best effect like if you're if we're talking about least effort to best effect two shades of basiliconum gray is a very good non-metallic metal if you don't believe me we'll have my boltons up on the page my boltons all of the metallics are two shades of basiliconum gray or two passes right yeah which is uh, which um, is exactly what i've used it for as well Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. And now on to my other ones. So my first wild card, Pterodon Turquoise. Yes. This I love this, co this color. This color, it, it just fucking rules. Yep. Um, the only reason it's not in my 10 is that I don't use it as often as those first 10. Those first 10 paints that I mentioned, I use them a lot. And six of them I use on almost every model that I paint contrast on. Right. Um, so those 10 are essential, but... Pterodon turquoise is badass. It is a very good color. Um, if you are looking at anything that I've painted, the, the bases for my Synthwave Eldar are Astro Granite with a single layer of Pterodon turquoise over them. Mm -hmm. It's just so good. Also, if you're going for like a, a cool aquamarine lizardy look, Look no further. Um, yep, and I will post my Wraith Marade when we collect all these pictures so I can post them uh, because that's exactly what he is. Yeah, and, and I have some models from a, a game called Carnival, the Rashar faction, and the Fishy Boys are all painted in this Pterodon Turquoise color. Yeah, it's, also, it's a great color. When we, when we talk about my Kings of War army... I'm gonna be using a. I'm gonna be using as much Pterodon Turquoise as that army as I as I used Volupus Pink in my Boltons. It's gonna oh, wow. be a, a lot of Pterodon Turquoise. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking forward to seeing that though. For sure. Yeah, because um, I will be using contrast paints because I have to paint like 85 Shit models. Ton of them. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I and that's what I was thinking about contrast for is is doing um, I'm, large I'm volumes. I'm still thinking about those uh, uh, Kings of War models. Um, so yeah. if, I, if I decide to pull the trigger on them, they are going yeah. to be contrasting. Yeah, for sure. Um, my Bolton army, as an, as a, just as an example, the standard troopers, I, I'm, I average 34 minutes per model Yeah. to paint them. Yeah. And See, that's not again, bad. When, when you look at them, the standard at 34, paint, 34 minutes per model is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they're great looking minis. They they look great. Um, thank you. Uh, partly part of that goes to the sculpting. I think they're they're good miniatures and they have lots of texture to begin with. But the, right. lots of texture is what you need for contrast paints. Yep. So they're sort of a natural fit. 
Um, all right. So on to my next, uh, recommendation that's warp lightning. Uh, Paul mentioned it earlier. I don't disagree. Warp lightning is an incredibly good paint. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan but, of it. But it's an effect paint. You want something radioactive looking. You want a cool glowing green sword for some reason. This paint is your jam. If you yep. need some like weird green liquid in a vial. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. This this is a great color for that. It is super bright. Um, fills that niche very well. Uh, also, Warp Lightning looks really good over met- metallic paint. Warp Lightning over silver is one of my favorite contrast over metal colors. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Oh, great. dude, it's rad. It's so good yep. over metal. And we'll talk about, I actually, in my advanced technique section, which we'll get to next, there's... Uh, it, painting over metal there are certain colors that are uh these contrasts are not created equal for painting over metal um and warp lightning is one of the best all right uh moving on apothecary white yeah um this is an odd a one. very <laughs> odd one <laughs> yes. yeah um this one also is uh if there was one that was deeply affected by the primer color this is it this one's most the most affected by your primer color is apothecary white so apothecary white truly is a gray paint um but my understanding of the chemistry of this just looking at it so this is pure bro science is that it's it's a col- it's it's basically medium with heavy gray particles in it. So the gray sinks into the resources and does almost nothing to the surface color. Yep. So like if you prime a model, if you prime a model in 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 wraith bone, the edges of your model are going to be wraith bone when you put apothecary white over them. They're not going to change at all. Yep. And that's true of gray sear at all. It's going to remain gray sear in the raised part in the raised parts, but the, the, the recesses are going to turn a very slight shade of gray. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, but here's what this paint does incredibly well. It's drop shadows. So very often what I will do is if I'm painting something that's white, I will paint a, a th- and this is one of the only ones I use a thick layer. Like I'll just, I'll slap apothecary white on and then go back with the primer color and edge highlight and highlight it. Um, and it gives you a very good white drop shadow. And if you need proof, I have another model I'll post. I hope from, you're writing these down. <laughs> yeah, I am from the, the, the carnival line. Um, and I have a model who he looks the best way to describe it is it looks like Ezio from Assassin's Creed. Um, Assassin's Creed two. And, uh, I painted all the white with apothecary white and going back over the apothecary white with the standard primer color uh, on the raised areas. And it's a very convincing and very good white. Um, But I I don't think essential. I think very good, but not an essential paint, a good next buy and truly a color. you're going. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. It's, it's, it's an odd color, but it's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All right. The next one. Uh, Aethermatic Blue. Um, Aethermatic Blue is going to be another one with Black Templar and Snakebite Leather that I would recommend anybody who's painting, period. If you're not investing in contrast lines, you should buy this paint. You should buy Black Templar. You should buy Snakebite Leather. You should buy uh, Aethermatic Blue. 
Uh, and the reason why is that for the like ghost tint effect that you can get out of Aethermatic Blue, except no substitutes. Right. This this paint is so good. Like if you want some ghosts, oh man, just like a bright white prime and a layer. Like if you have the FW inks white uh, ink and you airbrush a model with that white ink and do a single layer of athermatic blue. I've done this as a test. It's incredibly convincing. Uh, and so what I did was I took that FW ink. I ran it through my airbrush. I did a standard coat of athermatic blue. And then I fired that airbrush FW ink from directly above it at and high, like 18 inches above the model to give it like a, you know, like a, uh, just a, a zenithal dusting of white. It's a convincing ghost. Nice. Um, so athermatic blue as an effect, like just again, like you would use for any glaze or anything like that. Very, very, very good paint. Uh, and my last recommendation for a wild card is, is Griffhound orange. Um, I love this color. I don't have a good reasoning other than I love the way this color looks. Okay. Um, I'll, 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 so here's one thing about that color. Goes great with the turquoise. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have turquoise, you got to have the orange. Yeah, I mean those are they're on the opposite side of the color wheel. Exactly. Uh, so they and, and they that, that's that's good, right? That's what you want when you yep. want a fierce contrast. That's what you do. You go to the ax, the opposite side of the wheel, um, and that is orange from that color. And yep. and again, this paint it just looks good. Uh, it's one of the paints that's straight. I don't. I, I've actually never used the medium with Griffhound Orange. Doesn't need it. Um, and I, I every time I put it on a model, I look at it after I'm done putting it on and go, God damn, that looks good. Like it just <laughs> looks good. It's just yep. a good looking paint. But again, I don't think you. I don't think orange is one of the first ten colors you need when you're buying into a. a unless you're painting something that's orange, right? right. Like right. if you're if you're buying it for a project that has orange, for God's sakes, buy this one. Yep. Um, but as you're other other than that, it's a next purchase, a wild card buy. Um, but one of my favorite in the line is, is Griftown orange. Yep. Um, so what, what I want to do now, cause I've talked about all my colors it is the colors that I don't own. So I can't give, I, I may have missed them because I don't have them. And I want the listeners that are listening to understand that, um, <laughs> but because I don't have them all right. It's expensive right. to buy the whole line. Um, so I don't have Sigor Brown, so I can't comment on it. The reason I didn't buy it is because I bought two of the other deeply pigmented colors early in my buying, which are Leviathan Purple and Flesh Terrors Red, and didn't like either of them. And because I didn't like either of them, I didn't buy Sigor Brown because it has that same super dark effect and I didn't like it. Right. Um, so I can't comment on it. Um, and as I look through, uh, that's actually the only color I don't have great perfect uh, oh griff charger gray i also don't have griff, griff, griff charger gray so i can't comment on that one either um it looks great uh but it looks just like space wolves gray to me like i don't know why i would use one over the other one is more green and the other one is more blue um and i like the blue tint of space wolves gray more than the green tint of griff charger gray right so i don't have griff charger gray and i can't comment on it it, it looks great i think if you want a more green tint to your gray, uh, you should buy that one. And if you want a more blue tint to your gray, Space Wolves gray is good. 
Um, but I just, I can't comment on how good it looks because I've never used it. So that's that out of the way for right. out of, you know, when we're talking about my recommendations, why I recommend some. So I guess you're getting a pretty good authoritative voice because there's only a few of them I haven't <laughs> actually used on a model. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't use them as much as you do, but from my own experience, I agree with about 90% of what you said. Yeah. And for me, the whole thing was an experiment, right? I had just gotten a bonus from work when these paints came out. Uh, I had an entire song of ice and fire, a song of ice and fire army that I wanted to paint in a month. And those two things like uh, money burning a hole in my pocket and 60 some odd models to paint. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a bunch of contrast paints. And I ended up liking them so much that I bought more and more and more. And basically, you know, when, when, when you're buying one or two of them a month, all of a sudden you have them all. Yep. Um, yep. That's exactly how it happens. <laughs> yep. And that's what happened to me. Um, cause like I initially bought, I think 12 and then it was just like two a month or so, uh, sometimes three a month, um, for until now. And my most recently, it's funny, my most recently acquired one, um, was were Creed camo and, uh, Creed camo and I think plague blur flesh were the, my most recent acquisitions. And that was right before the stores closed. Right. Um, but I have used them both since I bought them. So I could talk to talk to the point of both of them anyway. So those are my, the 10, I'm going to go over them again one more time. <laughs> so it's dark oath or Gilliman flesh, black Templar, Gorgunch of fur, snake bite, leather, skeleton, horde, Talisar blue, blood angels, red, Nasdrag yellow, orc flesh, and Volupus pink as my 10 favorite contrast paints. And then the five honorable mention wild cards, uh, Tarragon Turquoise, Warp Lightning, Apothecary White, Aethermatic Blue, Griffon Orange, and also Basiliconum Gray. Right. Um, those are like, if, if you were only going to buy 15 or 16 out of the like 28 to 30 color range, those would be the ones to buy. Those are, in my opinion, the ones that I will continue to use the most into the future. And the other ones, the other colors in the line, I'll continue to use, but it'll be a case by case basis, except for um, like Leviathan purple, which is shit. I don't like it. It's too dark. Uh, and flesh tears red. I, I don't like. Um, there's some that I'll, I wish I didn't own because I'll never use them again. Um, but it, it, you know, you have to buy them to know. Right. Um, and I guess that's a thing, right? I, I would actively. Uh, discourage people, I think, from buying uh, Leviathan Blue, Shyish Purple, and uh, uh, Flesh Terror Red. Some people are going to hate me for saying Flesh Terror Red because I know some people like that color. It's just not for me. Right, right. Uh, too dark. All right, so let's talk about some advanced techniques, unless you have any other things you want to add to the, the, the paints that you should buy. No, no, that's, uh, uh, that's exactly... I, no. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right. Uh, then moving on to advanced techniques, I have three that I want to talk about. Um, one of them is wet blending. Sure. Um, there, the contrast. So here's, here's what I'm going to say first. Never wet blend on a model the first time you're blending these colors. <laughs> Don't do it on a model uh, because these colors uh, are much more susceptible to because they're, they're translucent they are much more likely to straight up change color on you. Yes. And, 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 and by that, I mean, think about your color wheel 
and think about what colors make and that will happen with some of these absolutely like like if you for example mix uh uh what's it what's a good example a red and a blue it's gonna turn purple right like 100 percent every time it's gonna turn purple yep 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 absolutely you're right um and if you mix a yellow and a blue it's gonna turn green like it will <laughs> literally turn green so don't do it um and that's even that's a thing to caution against too right like you should be painting on the opposite side of the color wheel when you're putting these colors next to each other or brown Separate them with brown, black, or something on the opposite side of the color wheel. Because if you put a blue too close to a yellow uh, and you just touch that yellow into the area you painted blue, it'll turn green. Yep. And 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 let's let's make sure we point out the fact that you can't just fix these colors. No, you yeah, it's it's hard. I've found ways to do touch-ups, but it's it's a skill all in its own. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're going to end up having to dab your Strip primer it. back on, yep. you know, the that color and start over. Yeah. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I'll just go back over that with the other color and get it right. No, nope, it doesn't work. It won't happen. And yeah, that's just the work. nature of the paints, right? Like, there's yep. nothing you can that, do about that. And that's an inherent weakness. The other thing is, like, you can't just put another layer over. it. Ch- putting another layer of the paint over changes the color of the paint. Correct. And that, I mean, but that's that, what it's meant to do, right? Because that's how it changes. That's how it shades. Right. And that's actually uh, my, my, one of my advanced techniques that we'll talk about, but, but let's to go into wet blending where you can do it. Holy shit. You can do it. So a really good example is mixing, <clears throat> um, a, uh, brown color into a green color, just as an example. So, right. If you have something like a, a a gross flesh, right? Or and there's plenty. I get there's plenty of reasons you'd mix brown into green, but if you do it, the, there's a perfect midtone. Like if you have green on one side, brown on the other, and you mix the green into the brown, it it's an almost perfect gradient across. And so, one of the ways that you can really effectively do this is by putting again dabbing your brush, dab your brush in medium take the excess off the medium, put a thin layer of the medium over your, where you're going to paint, put the brown on and with two brushes, right? Put the brown on one brush, the green on the other, and you can work from one paint to the other and you can make a beautiful gradient by wet blending these paints. Right. Right. Um, and if, if, if you haven't tried wet blending with contrast, do it on a, on a palette first so that you can see what it looks like. Um, but absolutely do it because I don't think I've seen a lot of people or heard a lot of people talking about wet blending these paints, but it works better than expected when you follow the rules. Right. Um, so that's that. The second advanced technique I want to talk about is multi-layering and shading. Uh, Okay. See now, 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 uh, you guys are gonna you're you're gonna have to talk about that because I with how with how colors are affected when they're on top of each other, I don't necessarily uh, uh, feel comfortable doing this. So I'm really curious as to what you're doing. Got it. All right. So here's here's where it's at. All right. So what you will know is that in the before times, and when I say before times now, I mean before shade paints. Before the empire. 
<laughs> right. So bef- before <laughs> shades were common, so we're talking way back, the way, way back machine, the way people shaded was by watering down paints and de- applying them directly into recesses. Right. And then, and then blending and glazing back to that color from the top of where they were shading. Right. And that's still the way people paint that don't use washes. Like, and pro painters generally, that's the way they paint. Right. Um, there's not a lot of washing being done. Um, some pro painters do, and washes are great. I use washes on most of my models. I'm not saying not to wash your models. I'm just saying, like, in the time before washes, that was what you had to do. And contrast paints, as an example, if you need to get something deeper in the recess, you need a deeper, richer color in the recess, you should feel empowered to, again, dip your paint in the in the contrast and then along the so the contrast pots the citadel pots have the ridge. you know what i'm talking about by the ridge right the well that the paint sits in when you open the cap yes run the brush along that to pull the excess off so when you look at your paint there's not like a bubble of contrast on it right like it's it's a a loaded brush but not overloaded and, and and again with a size one you can go directly into the recess with a color and get a deeper shade and that's one part of multi-layering. The other part is experimenting to find when you like two shades of a paint better than one. And there are good examples of this. So Volupis Pink, I like both. I like single layers of Volupis Pink, and it's a very bright, vibrant pink. But I also like two layers of Volupis Pink, which looks more like dried blood. Um, and... That and when when we post my Boltons, every Bolton in my army, Paul, is two flat layers of Volupis pink. So it's a single layer allowed to completely dry, and then a second layer allowed to completely dry. And again, with these paints, you should never follow the Citadel one thick coat. That's bullshit. This paint needs to be applied carefully and thinly. Um, not thick and splat, splat, splat. That's not the way this paint works. You can't just slather it on. You should, that, that method that I just mentioned for how you should load your brush for contrast, you should always do that. Dip the paint in, pull the excess off and then start to paint. And if you do that with the, um, this specific, uh, with, with these colors, it can look very good. And again, for an example, look at my Boltons. Every one of my Boltons is painted with two layers of pink. Mm. All right. Yeah. And there are, there are other colors that that works just fine for. Athermatic blue is another one that looks really good layered up. And you can layer athermatic blue three or four times, depending on how rich you want that, that color to look. If you want it to be very pale and ghost-like, a single layer is all you need. But you can build very vibrant shadows by doing multiple thin layers of athermatic blue. Okay. Makes um, sense. Yeah. And the same is true of Blood Angels Red. Blood Angels Red, a single coat looks real good, but a second coat is an incredibly rich and different color. So don't be afraid to experiment. Um, the worst thing that's going to happen is you have to reprime the model. And uh, if you're airbrush priming or rattle can priming, that's a very thin layer. Right. Uh, and contrast paint is almost non-existent as far as a layer of paint goes right it's it 
in terms of like building up and washing out detail, that's not what this paint does. So you can very often easily just reprime without even having to strip. Right, man. I came into the conversation the wrong time when Chops is talking about stripping. <laughs> there he is. And there we have Potter joining the, at the very end of our episode. <laughs> Sorry for running late. I had to take care of kids and put kids to bed and be an adult. Nah, just let them run wild. This is this is the time. Yeah. This is the time of life where you, you where you raise free range kids. If if they weren't uh, if they weren't starting virtual schooling back up today, they they'd probably still be up. <laughs> Craziness, but. craziness, I tell you. All right, I know so, it's a weird world. Yep. But what do you guys talk about? So contrast, contrast paints, paints, yes, contrast paints. And yeah, we missed the fun conversation of contrast paints. And you you made it for the one the one last subject, and the last subject that I want to talk about is my last advanced technique, and that's multi stage priming and pre shading. Ooh. So this is, without a doubt, 100% my biggest thing. Like When I talked about my, my lessons learned and takeaways, this could have been in that section, but I wanted to save it for this section. Uh, and so multi-stage priming and pre-shading, what do I mean? So let's, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. It's, it adds about 15 minutes to your total process for a batch of models, I think. Well, depending on how big the batch is, it, it adds a few, not, not long, a trivial amount of time per model to do this. So this is what I recommend. The first thing is, if you're in the States, this is the product to buy. It's Rust-Oleum Flat Gray 2X Primer. I don't know what that's called in other countries. I, I'm sorry. I just I don't know. You'll have to like look at some swatches of this color. But it's a um, medium gray, and it's super flat. So ultra matte. Like, I mean, not even ultra matte's not even the right. I mean, it's flat. Flat gray. And that's the name of the color. Again, Rust-Oleum 2X Flat Gray Primer. Buy that shit. Buy a can. And this is what you do. You spray, you do your base prime of that color. And then whatever your contrast primer is, and for me, it's going to be that Vallejo Gray Airbrush Primer. I spray that to a 45-degree angle. So, and, and even more severe than that in some cases, but really what I'm trying to do is get most of the model sprayed with that Vallejo gray, but the darkest undersides stay the Vallejo or the, the Rust-Oleum deep gray. And so now you have a gradient, right? If you've ever done uh, a uh, Zenithal prime, you know, essentially what this looks like. And the reason that we're not Zenithal priming with black is that contrast paints don't show up over black period. They just don't. So you need to start with a medium and not even too dark a gray, a medium gray. I found, I've tried this with different gray spray primers and the flat gray is the closest thing that I like because the next stage, once you've done this, so once you've applied your, your Rust-Oleum flat gray and your primer du jour, uh, so either the, your rattle can of gray sear or your gray from your style and res or your Vallejo in your Zenithal, you've got that very nice transition from light gray to dark gray. Now you're going to apply a pretty generous heaping of null oil. Uh, don't let it pool. Be careful. Um, but you want to get null oil into all the recesses. You want it all over the entire surface of the model. And what that's going to do is two things. The first thing is it's going to pre-shade. And the second thing is it's going to pull your gray, your, your gray spray primer closer to your contrast primer. 
right? Because that's what shades do. Typically, they will pull the colors underneath them closer together. So now your gradient is even thinner. So it's harder to see the difference between your super light and your dark. And this is the next stage. And this is the, the, the part that you must not skip. Using a makeup brush, this is, is my recommendation. You put some of whatever your primer is. So if it's gray sear, gray sear out of a pot, not spray paint. Um, or if it's the Vallejo or Badger, just squeeze a little bit onto your palette. Put that onto your makeup brush and dab it off because we're dry brushing now. So you're going to exactly like like dry brushing, take that makeup brush and dry, as, dab off as much of that primer as you can. And then with downstrokes only, downstrokes only, not circular, not up and down, not left to right, top to bottom only with a makeup brush, put your surface, your, your primer color back on, dry brushing. And so now you've got your highest areas dry brushed with your base gray primer, and then everything else is that washed thing. And now that, this is what you apply contrast onto. And so that's your multi-stage prime, that's your, your rattle can gray and your other gray, <clears throat> and then you're pre-shading with non-oil and your dry brush over the top of it. And that's what you apply contrast to uh, and there is the result that I, we will post is my example of my Bushido mini that I painted the other day for my Edo clan, which is ridiculously fantastic looking. Yeah, it's, that's a gorgeous mini dude. Uh, it is unbelievable what you do with this method. And there are lots of examples of this online. Um, I think it's Sludgehammer painting videos has some gene stealer cults that he did with a, me a method similar to this. I've seen a lot of war cry minis painted with a similar uh, technique to this. It is, I will, I will never use contrast without this again. Like any model, if I'm going to be using contrast paints, I'm going to be doing this hands down period, end of discussion. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be the way I use contrast going forward. I will never just like, spray it with gray sear or Vallejo primer and go again. I will always pre-shade and dry brush it. The, the effect is dramatic. Hmm. Oh, good to know. Um, and again, you guys have seen it, right? Like when you saw yeah. that model, Paul, and you were like, Jesus, I thought I was getting better. And you posted this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, the only reason it looks that good, like it's not me. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, you have to carefully apply contrast because like we mentioned, if, if you get one color into another, it can be a mess. But the reason that that model looks as good as it does is because it's pre-shaded. Right. I mean, I guess it goes along the lines of like when Zenithal kind of first started becoming a popular topic, you know, you had a lot of people just doing Zenithal and then just using glaze techniques over it, not even just regular paint, just glazing over it getting the same kind of effect and the I contrast mean, is just pretty much your thin down glazes for it you. it is right it's the same thing that it's literally that technique yep yeah like you're literally just with, pre, doing with just pre-glazed paint exactly yep um but the effect is is dramatic and uh, in my opinion worth it every time like when i look at the back of that bushido model the like folds in the fabric it's almost perfectly highlighted with a single layer of militarum green like I, I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it does. It looks fantastic. Um, so that that's my pro tip. A number one, you should always do it. Always 
do a Zenithal prime, always shade that prime with null oil. I think maybe my only recommendation here is that if you were going to be doing this with wraith bone and you were using wraith bone primer and, um, uh, some beige color for the under prime, I would use Agrax Earthshade and then um, <clears throat> uh, dry brush the Wraith Bone back on rather than Null Oil because Null Oil will change the properties of Wraith Bone, I think, too much. Um, so gray, I would do it with Null Oil and the, the more brownish Wraith Bone I would do with Agrax Earthshade, but I, I would still do that like every single time. And I'm just on team gray for contrast. I've tried with both and I like in general the, the effect on the gray models more than the, the Wraith bone. Yeah, I'm with you on that, preferring the gray seer. Well, uh, guys, that, that I mean, my, my final thought is that, is that you should always, if you're using contrast, you should always pre-shade and dry brush. Even if you don't do the two-stage priming, you should still... Uh, hit it with your primer, hit it with null oil and dry brush it back with the primer color every time. Um, the effect is just too good to not do it. Yeah. Yeah. You've convinced me of that for sure. Because right. I mean, that model looks great. So before, before any final thoughts, so I, I, I sacrificed one of my infinity models for the good of everyone. Um, so it's going to have to go in the simple green bath now, but I tested it out. Um, contrast over the brush on Vallejo primer and I have opinions. Um, no. so I think what it's going to end up doing is you're going to see more of the brush strokes stand out because it is a little bit grittier, uh, than the rattle can primer from GW. That's fair. So, uh, I think if you're using a darker color and chops, I sent you some pictures of how he came out. Um, like the uh, Talisar Blue, I think you would find that it looks perfectly fine tabletop. Um, but something thinner, like the Magos Purple, yep, it's just not going to look okay. Yeah, the Warp Lightning looks all right too. Yeah, Warp Light, like I said, the those darker, brighter colors seem to be okay. I had a little bit of pooling on the on the uh, Warp Lightning, but I think I think those two those darker jewel colors I think come out better than than something that's a, a thinner, more dependent. I would on agree. The primer and and I think honestly, looking at it, I think if you had done a second layer of the of the brush on primer, it would have been even better. Uh, pro you're probably right on that. You, you're probably right because it would have created a uh, a smoother base yeah. color. Yep. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm actually pretty impressed how it came out with a single layer of the brush on primer. So brush on primer might work. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, if you get real close, it's going to, you're going to see the brush strokes on it, but from, you know, on the table, it looks yeah, fine. It's perfectly serviceable. Yep. 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 So that's, cool. that, that's that answer. So did it live. So that's, that's Badass. my final thought. <laughs> awesome. That, thank that'll you for be doing my that. final thoughts. Where's my simple green? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Potter, any final thoughts from you on contrast? Any opinions from you on contrast? Since you, um, since you jumped I haven't me? really used. Yeah, I haven't really used contrast much. I'm actually getting ready now that my airbrush is back in commission of starting a technique for some clone troopers using contrast paint uh, and mixing black templar and apothecary white together with some uh, 
contrast or the contrast medium to thin it out um and trying that technique i saw i think it was serastro had a painting video on it so i'm going to try that out and see how it goes cool so it'll be my first like official foray into contrast so we'll see nice um good good that'll be that'll be good stuff i'm, I'm looking forward to to following up and seeing how that comes out honestly yeah there um i got uh everything primed and uh got their their the white on it so now just waiting for the white to pretty much cure and then i'll go at it with the contrast paint nice yeah see when when chops and i were talking earlier about skeleton uh horde color now i'm sitting here looking at the empire of dust uh kings of war army um but anyway, <laughs> um, oh boy, Talisar, yeah, Talisar blue and uh, Skeleton Horde, man, that'll take you all the way through that army. I know that's what I. That's exactly yeah, what, what I'm you just sitting said. here yeah. staring at yeah. it. Um, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So um, let's let's start doing our takeout here. Um, first thing, Patreon. We have a new patron, uh, which is super exciting. ENS, thank you for uh, coming and supporting us at the the three dollar level. We appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, and thank you to Static as a City for the awesome music. Come join our Discord because it's awesome. There's all, there's so much going on. I can't even keep up anymore. That's how active it is. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that about covers it. So join the Discord, join Patreon, Patreon just like Ian did. Um, and happy week a billion of of quarantine happy week a billion about that week a billion week a billion i think i missed something nope you did not (laughs) well that was just live right there (laughs) that was it right there just because it's been forever